listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Have you ever just gotten frustrated and just lost it? Anybody ever done that? Just You hadn't, Justin? That surprises me that you would lie like that right here amongst all of it. Yeah, so we, we all lose it, right? Now, how embarrassing, though, is it when you lose it in front of somebody that you didn't know was standing there? And then all of a sudden, you're like, uh, oh, well, uh, oh, man, the thing to do is just apologize, just own it, and, and move on. But in today's world, you know that it's, it's not only possible, thank you, Charlie, it's not only possible that you can lose it in front of somebody, but nowadays, you can lose it for, like, the eternal digital record. And, and some folks are low down enough to take that video and post it for the world to see. I mean, low-down scoundrels, if you are in the room, that would do that to somebody. But that's the world in which we live in. But you know, when, when we lose it on, online and, and folks see it, something will come along that, you know, takes the place and eventually will be, you know, pushed down to the bottom of the feed. What we find in Luke chapter 10... Verses 38 through 42, where we're going to be this morning. What we're going to find is that somebody loses it in front of the God of all creation. Who at that time was in flesh as the God-man. Known as Jesus, the, the, the Nazarene. She loses it and, and Luke wrote it down. And folks have been reading about it and rereading about it and teaching and talking about this particular lady who lost it for the last 20 centuries. I mean, it's just really, it's really unfortunate for her. But I think as we read this story, we're going to find that we relate very well to the situation. And unfortunately, I'm afraid that we relate too much to the thought process. So let's just, uh, let's make an agreement. We, we'll, we'll read God's word, we'll let it say what it says, and we'll, we'll try to teach it according to what it's there for, and, and then we'll all just accept it, and, and we'll embrace the, the lesson that Christ not only taught to those in the, uh, in, in the time, but also what he's teaching us. Agreed? We'll just do what he says. Here's what Luke 10, 38 through 42 says. Now, as they went on their way... Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. 
Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you'll take your word, that you will burn it into our hearts and minds. God, that you will teach us the lesson that Jesus was teaching these sisters. Not only will we learn it, but that we will embrace it, that we will apply it to our life and live it by your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Jesus, while he was on the way. What's this way he was talking about? Well, we've been studying Luke now for several weeks, and we will probably be studying Luke for several months to come. If, if, if I'm just gauging how quickly we're moving at this point. But what we're, what we're learning is, is that Jesus' ministry has transitioned. You see, most of what Jesus had been doing in the chapters previous to 10 is in Galilee, the, the northern part of, of the land that would have been considered Israel. And so Jesus was ministering in this northern region of Galilee. It's close to where he was from, where he was raised in Nazareth. And he's preaching the message of the kingdom, the kingdom of God that the Jewish people had been waiting on, the fulfillment of the promises made not only to the patriarchs and a few of the kings and, and, and then recommunicated through the prophets. They were waiting on God's kingdom to come and be fulfilled. And Jesus has been preaching that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's ready to be revealed. It's, it's ready to be ushered in. John, before him, had said that, that the way that you prepare yourself for this kingdom was through repentance. And Jesus is continuing this ministry. He's continuing this message But he's also doing things that no one else had done, and that is performing miracles as connections to this kingdom that's ready to be revealed. He was was providing visual evidence of the things that the prophets had said would transpire and be seen when God's kingdom was, in fact, at hand. But Jesus' teaching, in in many ways, was contrary to the teaching of the religious leaders of that day. Their interpretations of the Scripture throughout the years had become skewed. They had allowed their own thinking, their own rules, their own regulations to be held alongside the biblical uh, teachings given through uh, Moses and the prophets and through the Psalms. They were taking their interpretations, they were taking their rules, and they were placing them alongside of Scripture, and they were holding the people of Israel to their standard of holiness. Much of what Jesus had to say was in contradiction to the things that they had been teaching. Made them mad. They were the leaders. They were the the, the spiritual guides of the people. In fact, they saw themselves as those who determined the very spirituality of the people. They could say, you got it, you don't have it. And now Jesus was on the scene teaching things contrary to them. Teaching the people to follow a belief different than they had been taught. And so the religious leaders have been curious and then confused, and now they're mad and in a state of rejection. And it's at this time that Jesus leaves the northern area of Galilee and begins to move south toward Jerusalem. We're told by Luke that that Jesus set his eyes on Jerusalem. Jesus made up his mind to go to Jerusalem, and he tells us why. Because he knows that in Jerusalem, he will be in the place where he'll be betrayed, 
He'll be rejected, he'll be crucified, but ultimately he'll be raised. And he knows that his ultimate purpose is found in Jerusalem. That's where those events were going to take place. And so he gathers up his followers and he says, we're moving the ministry base from the north to the south. We're headed toward Jerusalem because that's where things will become completed. And it's on this way that he's traveling. And, and while we were seeing the communication of the, of the message of the kingdom in the north, what we're going to start seeing through Luke is, is not the abandonment of the message. Jesus is still continuing to preach and teach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's still calling those of his people to follow and to listen and to embrace, and to repent, to believe. But what we're going to see a lot through Luke is things happening behind the scenes during this time. We're not going to see a lot of the public messages that Jesus proclaimed, though we'll see some. Most of what Luke is going to refer to throughout the rest of this section is is interaction that he's having with his disciples as they are moving toward that, that climactic scene that will occur toward the end of this gospel, we're hearing a lot of what Jesus is teaching those around him. And that's kind of how we have this scene here. As they went on their way, Luke puts this section purposefully, I believe, behind what we learned last week. Last week, Jesus had an encounter with a lawyer who said, Jesus, what, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus posed the question back to him, and, and he said, well, what do, you, what do you see in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer says, well, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus takes that time to show him that thought he had all those boxes checked, how that he really wasn't even loving his neighbor as himself, as he told the parable of the Good Samaritan. So I think Luke puts this scene here, maybe not because of where it falls chronologically, though I'm sure it did happen very quickly around this time. Seems as though what Luke's doing now is talking, uh, showing us a scene where Jesus talks about what it looks like to actually love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We've talked about loving our neighbor as ourselves, And last week, those of you who were here, you heard the, 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 the point of that message was, As representatives of Jesus, when we see a need that we can meet, then that is a need that we should meet. And rather than asking who my neighbor is, deciding that we are going to be a neighbor to those. And we gave you a few opportunities to to embrace, and and you guys jumped on that. Justin, I apologize. You're going to have way more volunteers than you need for the Saturday the 20th. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be, it's because you're people, and it's going to be fun. But we got pans of potatoes, and we got volunteers, and we got baskets, and I'll tell you toward the end of the the service what things are still open, and, and you can be a part of that. But, but we can't leave it there. We've got to talk more about what it looks like to love the Lord your God. I think that's what he's doing here. As they were on their way to Jerusalem, Jesus entered a village. Luke calls it a village because where it was at is not so important to the story. John, in his gospel, tells us that these people we're meeting, these ladies, these sisters, are from a village to the southeast of Jerusalem called Bethany. 
located on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. Not too far away, John tells us about two and a half miles. Probably about an hour walk if you're just taking a leisurely stroll from Bethany to Jerusalem. Take you about 50 minutes to an hour because it's uphill and it's rocky and you're not in that big of a hurry. But he's close to Jerusalem and he comes into this home and he meets a woman named Martha. Now, we don't know if this is the first time they met. We don't know if this is, you know, uh, uh, the after they have met and he's coming back. It, it seems like what we're seeing is a, an initial introduction. It's what it seems like, but it might not be. But here's what we do know. We do know through the other gospel accounts that Jesus creates and develops a deep friendship with these ladies and their brother, who's not mentioned in this gospel, nor in Matthew, nor in Mark, but in John, we learn they have a brother whose name is, anybody? Lazarus. He has an interesting experience that we won't get to tackle in Luke, but at any rate, we move on. So these ladies who live in Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem, invite Jesus to come into the house. And it's interesting that it says, her house. Martha invited him to come into her house. So either this house has been passed down from her father to her, which seems a little odd if they have a brother that he should have in their culture trumped her birth order and received the house. What's probably happening is, is that Martha was married at one time and her husband has passed and apparently they were well off enough to have a home and now Martha is the homeowner. She's the mistress of the home. She's the one who cares and it looks like either her sister lives with her or just hanging with her. I think the former is probably more correct. But Martha welcomed him into her house. Now what was going on at the time, you might wonder. Well, there's a lot of different speculations about what's going on, but, but a few authors that I read behind suggest that the possibility is that this was during the annual feast of tabernacles celebrated in Israel. So what in the world is that? Well, if you go back several millennia or a couple of millennia, you go back, you're going to read in the Old Testament that the children of Israel were freed from slavery in Egypt and they were out wandering in the wilderness, mostly because of their own disobedience. God had them and took care of them in the wilderness in tents. They lived in tents in makeshift little homes that were mobile and could be packed up and moved. So every year the Jewish nation would celebrate, according to God's command in the law, a feast of tabernacles, a feast of booths. It's where they would build a little tent, a little lean-to, a a little uh, like camping deal outside their home. And for the duration of the feast, they would eat out there. They would fellowship out there. They, many of them, would actually sleep out there as a reminder of the, the, the time that God took care of their people in the wilderness. There's a lot of folks that think that's what's going on. That there's a lot of hustle and bustle. And that Jesus has given the disciples freedom to go and to mingle and be with others of their family who may be in Jerusalem. And it seems like that these ladies said, well, Jesus, could we have you into our home? Because none of the other disciples are mentioned here. It's just Jesus. 
Well, that would be a, a nice little intimate gathering between friends here. And it says that Mary, Martha welcomed him into her house. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary. And then Luke tells us what's going on in the house that Jesus is visiting. Now, if you will, just kind of imagine that they're in the middle of the, of the Feast of Tabernacles and they're outside with, their, with, with, with stuff coming from inside to outside and Jesus is hanging out under the shade as they're celebrating. And Luke tells us that Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching. H- have, you, have you ever been excited about someone special coming to your home? You ever experienced that? I mean, especially if you've got family that lives out of town. You get excited about the fact that they're coming and, and you get things ready and, 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 and you just can't wait and, and you just end up, you're sitting there and you're just chatting and you're catching up and, and if you're like me, the, the hours can kind of multiply. And the next thing you know, you're looking at 10, 11, 12, 30, one, man, we got to go to bed, but because there's an excitement about someone special being in your home. Well, I don't know how much experience they had had with Jesus, but what I notice is, is that Mary is sitting in the normal position of a student of a rabbi. The, the students that would sit under the teaching of different rabbis would sit at their feet while they would expound the Scripture. Well, they would talk about their understanding of how the Scripture works together and, and, and what we are to learn and how we are to, uh, to, to understand God and His love for us through the words. And they would sit with bated breath, taking notes and, and being taught by these very attentive learners. What's interesting is, is in first century Judaism, no respectable rabbi would have ever allowed a woman to be his student. Well, what does that say about Jesus? Well, he was unrespectable? No, he just had it right. And he allowed her, whom he loved, to listen as he expounded, presumably, to her alone. Now, how cool is that? I mean, I'm just imagining if we knew Jesus was going to be in Winter Haven, we probably wouldn't be able to get there early enough to get our question in. We'd have our question. We'd probably have to write it down and give it to somebody who's going through them. We would probably not even. But what if you got a text message that says, Jesus coming to your house? What? You mean I've got him all afternoon? Mary's sitting at the feet. Mary's taking it in. Mary's receiving, is it fair to say, the Word of God? Man, it it couldn't get more pure than from the mouth of God the Son. And Mary's just soaking it up. But Martha, verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. This word distracted means to be dragged away. It's it's like the thought that while she might would have wanted to sit there beside Mary listening to the Lord, she just couldn't do it. 
there was too much that needed to be done. Now, one of several things is happening. Either the disciples are there and we just don't see it because that's possible. And she's trying to figure out, how am I going to feed all these people? And she's scurrying to try to do and make. Or maybe more likely, she's excited about the Lord being in her presence. And my goodness, we made this little tent out here. It was just going to be for us. I should have brought out the good pottery or whatever they had. I don't know. I should have brought out the good stuff. I didn't bring out enough stuff. I need to go find some more olives and we need grapes and good gracious we need more water and wine and oh there's so much to do. She's just spiraling around. If if Mary would be fairly I think called the chill sister Hanging out, recognizing there's always going to be time to get stuff done. I'm hanging with the Lord. Then Martha would have been the intense sister. The, the one who has a notion about how it ought to be. And then it's going to be that way. And she's not real sure why the rest of y'all don't understand how important it is. That it be like this, and you're just going to sit there? Now, it doesn't tell us any of this. We move from her being distracted with much serving to her making an announcement that we'll get to in a second. But I can imagine having been in homes where the mom of the house have been intense. I don't really think my mom's intense, but I've been around some intense ladies. And seen how it works and seen how it happens. And, and listen, it, it could come to the blow up, but not before many trips to and from with eye contact that looks like, you know what that means, don't you? That means, why are you sitting there? Or they could walk by and make noises like, <sighs> ever heard that? Or, from inside the home, they could say, sure could use some help. Now, is that ever not true? Is there ever a time that you could not use some help? But I mean, you know, how it would be for us. Cowboys are ready to score, because I know all y'all are excited about that. No? Your team's ready to score. It's Thanksgiving. You're smelling it. You're excited. You're, you're, you're in your sweater in 95 degree weather. And you hear that, I sure could use some help. And you're like, they could too. We're about to score. They could, yeah, we'll be there. But this is more important than that, right? So would it not make more sense? Mary's in the presence of who folks are saying could be Messiah. This could be the one. I have every reason to believe that they're right, and he is the one, and I'm, I've got his attention. I hear your sighs. I know you're staring at me. I'm not looking. And I've heard you announce. Because for Martha, well, this is the Lord we're having. Well, this has got to be just right. Isn't that what he deserves? Well, wouldn't the king of the universe deserve the best we can do? Well, you know, yeah. 
But will anything we can do ever satisfy what he is worth? And the answer to that is infinitely no. But Mary is, Luke tells us, distracted by all she's got going on. When she finally has enough, she went up to the Lord. Now notice, she went to the Lord. I'm assuming her interaction with her sister is getting her nowhere but angrier. She's mad at Mary now. And so she says, fine. Well, then if you won't listen to me, then I'm going to talk to him because I know he knows what's up. And he'll set this straight. She goes to the Lord. And notice what she says. Do you not care? Now just imagine. Lord, do you not care that I'm doing all this work for you all by myself? Lord, this is for you. I'm serving you. It was, it was going to be beautiful. I had a great plan if she would have just helped. Don't you care that I'm serving you all by myself? Tell her to help me. Make her do what's right. Martha lost it. Martha had the Lord in her home. I mean, what a, what a treat. What a blessing. What an opportunity. And she's trying to make it what her mind thinks it can be. And now she's frustrated because her sister doesn't have the same vision. And she's going to the Lord saying, can you make her help me? Don't you care that she's not doing what's right? Martha correcting Jesus. Martha Helping Jesus to understand what needs to happen. Martha, helping the Word of God who through Him spoke the universe into existence. Can you help my sister understand how important this is? But the Lord answered her. I think we got to hear what he says, not as a scolding, but as a, again, I like to think he smiled and he breathed. And notice he says, Martha, Martha, for emphasis, but not as a condescension to get her attention to rein her in and with compassion Martha you are worried about a bunch aren't you well you you are just upside down right now aren't you Martha man oh man you are anxious about stuff man you're troubled about many things one author said that Jesus was in fact looking at her and saying, Martha, I see how much you care. And you care too much. You want me to tell Mary to get up and help you because of what you think needs to be done. 
What do you think needs to be done, Martha? What, what, do, you think, what do you think I need to eat? How, how, do, how do you think your house needs to look for me? I mean, I don't have a place to lay my head. I, I, I've, I've stepped into humility. I, I, was, I was raised on the wrong side of the tracks. Nobody respects me. Folks are thinking about how to put me away. I I didn't even know where I was going to eat today. And you opened your home to me. I am so satisfied and thankful to be here with you. What is it that you think I want? I see how much you care. Martha, you care too much about stuff that's not as important as what your sister cares about. You said you're anxious. You're troubled about a bunch of stuff. But there's only one thing that's necessary. You know what that one thing that's necessary would be for Martha and Mary and Peter and James and John and Bill and Eugene and Kevin and Steve? You know what the, you know what the necessary thing is? That we by faith trust in what Jesus has said and demonstrated to be true for them and for us as well. To embrace Him by faith. To be willing to set down everything else we've been trying to build our life on and go, I'm leaving that there. I'm putting all my eggs in your basket and I'm going to plop my little self down and I'm going to wait on you. Whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. But I'm going to wait on you to say it. I'm going to turn the reins over to what I think is important to you. Martha had the right terminology, Lord. She just had the wrong priorities. Lord, could you make what I think is important, important to her? And he says, no, ma'am, I won't. I'll keep what's important, important. And I'll tell you, Mary's got it. She's chosen the one thing. Mary has chosen the good portion. And Martha, let the bread burn. I'm not taking this away from her. In fact, just, just go take the bread out of the stove. You, 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 got, some, you got a few raisins? Well, you, you got some stuff that you already have? You, do you have any leftovers? Let's just snack on that. That's, that's perfectly fine. I so appreciate your desire to make over me. But I'm so much more interested that you be focused on me instead of busy for me. There's something more important, Jesus says. Mary had it. Martha was consumed with the what to the neglect of the who. Martha was consumed with what she was doing to the neglect of who she was doing it for. Mary was devoted. Martha was distracted. And you say, well, you said earlier that we would be able to identify with this. Yes, I, think, I think we are. You know, I think one of the biggest challenges that we have in Western Christianity is that we are 
are far more willing to do things for the Lord than we are to be devoted to being with the Lord. Now, I hesitate to even describe when I say, because well, I know you're, you're thinking, what does it mean to be with the Lord? The Lord is not in our presence. He's at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit is resident within followers of Jesus, and, and we're waiting on the return of Christ. So well, how, do we, how, do we, how are we with Him? I hesitate to say that being with Him begins with being spending time in His Word, because here's what will happen. All of the sudden, spending time in His Word will become something that you begin doing for Him instead of seeing it as a means to be with Him. You say, well, well, Pastor Kevin, how do you do that? How do you move beyond spending time in God's Word as a means for checking it off to being a time that I spend with him and, and engage with how do I move from this to that and I go a uh, lot, lot of spending time a, a lot of sitting down with your Bible and and saying and meaning it in your heart and maybe outside with your mouth saying God before I even read a word I just want you to know that I have a tendency to sit down with this in order to be proud of how much I get read in a 30 minute time and if I don't get it read in that 30 minutes then I'm anxious all day long because I missed out on what I promised you I'd do and I can't be focused till I get done and get that thing done that I know you'll be proud of And God, I know that's not spending time with you. So before I even open a word, God, I just just want to be with you. Help, Help me to just sit at your feet. And what you might discover is when you start talking to God that way, You might discover that the 30 minutes you had set aside now all of a sudden is only five because you've been blabbing on and on to God about nonsense. And what you'll discover is is that that blesses the heart of your Savior. To hear you drone on about things that you say, I know, I just blabbed on. I know you're not impressed by anything. And God says, What can you ever do to impress me? I love you. My desire for you is that you just sit at my feet and desire to be with me. Because that's what I desire from you. God, I don't deserve that. I know you don't. That's what makes it so cool. That's what makes it so upside down. So counterintuitive. And then the next thing you know, you start praising God for how much he loves you. You go, well, how much did I get read? Well, I, I, you know, I had a chapter to read today. I only got that one verse. But boy, I got up in power. You know why? Because you've been with him. And you get up knowing that he hears you. And you get up knowing that you can read this thing from cover to cover a thousand times in your lifetime. And you'll only be delving into a thimble full of the mind of God. I say let's 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 strive for that thousand times. But let's keep it in proportion. I'm afraid that we get wrapped up too much in what we do for him that we forget that he wants us to be with him.
we become distracted instead of being devoted. Now think about that couple that together wrote the book on marriage. And by the time they got it published, they were ready to be divorced. Why? Because they set their mind on doing the thing instead of being the thing. We do the same thing. In fact, I I think we've probably not been able to relate to anything so directly as these few verses. As we want to be like Mary sitting at the feet, but we recognize how much more we're like Martha. Frustrated. I I can tell you in my role, you you see, my my role is 24-7. 365. No one should ever be surprised if I'm at the church doing anything. No one should ever be surprised if I'm out doing ministry in the community. Why? Because that's your, go on and say it, you know, you think it, that's your job. But in my job, you don't know how easy it is for me to go, well, I don't know why I'm having to do this all by myself. Well, that ain't right. Lord, now you just need to tell some of these folks. I did that last week, remember? <laughs> we got to do this and this. No, I can't do that all by myself. But y'all stepped up because you, you wanted to. But it's easy for me to start thinking, and, and really what it is, it's a pity party. It's a woe is me. It's not, no, nobody else loves you like I do, Lord. No, nobody else cares about you. But, but you know what? The reality of the fact is, is that um, m- maybe I'm out of balance at times. You ever felt like that in ministry service? I see some nodded heads. You go, yeah, I feel like I'm toting this low by myself. Well, you say, well, maybe it is that we're out of balance. Or, or maybe it is this is a season of heavy load that God's going to give strength on, that we're to follow Him and trust Him. And not to worry about what's not getting done. Some applications. We got to go. I stay here till 12 talking about this. Replacing time devoted to Christ with doing stuff for Him is never an acceptable trade. We've covered that. Jesus will never ask you to do for Him instead of being with Him. So anytime you think God is calling you to do something, ask yourself first, am I currently walking with Him? Because chances are great you're misunderstanding what God is saying. Chances are great God is saying, you need to get in here with me. You're trying to live your life on your own. You're trying to to navigate things by your own understanding. And and you think you got it. And you give me a a couple of hours on Sunday and a, you know, and a service day in in November. And you think that's what you, I want you to get in here with me. And we're going, what time, Lord? What, what was that? You wanted me to do what? Lead a life group? Go to a life group? Sing in the praise band? What? I, I'm not hearing you. I'm not understanding. He's like, you're not tuned in. That's what I'm trying to get. Jesus will never ask you to do for him 
when you're not first walking with him. And then it's out of that walking with him that you start realizing how he's wired and made you. And, and, and the things that you already have a passion about and excitement about. He'll start showing you avenues by which to utilize those passions for his glory. Because that's how he's designed you. He redeemed those passions. And now he wants to use them for others' benefit through you. You frustrated right now because you don't know where you fit? Well, walk with him closer. And then ask him how he wants to use what you're excited about. And good at in service to him. Joyless servants. You ever been there? Servant without joy. Joyless servants are often those who spend little time with the word in his word. A lot of times when we lose our joy in service, it's because we put all our eggs in the basket of that thing that we're doing We've gotten disconnected from the one who's most important and the things that he says to us that only this can say. You go, well, God talks to me all the time. Good for you. But guess what? Whatever God says to you has got to filter through this or it's somebody else talking. So if you don't know this, then you're not going to be able to understand what's God and what's every other voice in your head. So good, listen to the Holy Spirit. He's only going to tell you what's already been said and apply it to your life. Joyless servants turn into frustrated servants who ultimately become angry servants. You ever quit something that you were doing for the Lord? Well, probably it was because you'd gotten distracted by the thing you were doing for the Lord. You could have been walking with the Lord, carrying a heavy burden, maybe by yourself, but full of joy, trusting Him. Pursuing excellence in ministry is great, and I think we should. I think we should pursue excellence. If it can be done excellent, I think we should do it excellent. But it's easy to care too much about stuff that really doesn't matter. Amen? We can get too wrapped up. Pastor, why can't we have da-da-da-da? Well, you know, we could. Is that really going to advance the kingdom? Oh, I haven't thought about that. But could we, could we do this to possibly enhance and advance? Well, maybe. And that's the struggle. That's what we do all the time. Every other church in the world is doing the same thing. The main thing is to keep our focus on the main thing. Every servant has limitations, and that includes you. Learning to say no is just as important as learning to say yes. You know, Martha had to say, she had to learn how to say no to what she thought that looked like, needed to look like. She had to just go, boy, I just don't like putting the everyday wear out in front of the Lord. But if that's what he's fine with, then that's what I want to do. And you learn to say no. Sometimes you need to learn to say no to stuff that sound good and feel good. And, and are for Him. Because, you know, I don't have time to do that and be with Him. 
So maybe you're one of the ones who needs to learn how to say no. But don't stop saying yes it too as well, okay? <laughs> ask me if you ought to say yes or no. I'm just kidding. No, don't ask me. No, talk to the Lord. Lastly, and this is for all of us, hospitality does not mean fancy or perfect. Genuine simplicity is all that's needed. You know, we talk a lot about life groups, and we try to get you guys to have life groups in your home. And I know there's a lot that go, I don't have a place, and it's, no, it's not fit, and it's not, and I, can we just come to your house? And uh, I don't want to do that because it's not, I don't have it. Look, hospitality is about being real. And I think Jesus was saying, hey, Martha, you know, I just, I just like being at your house. <laughs> the folks that are in my life group know that we don't have a chair at our dining room table that is not broken. And they didn't break it. We put it there that way. And, you know, I, I could, and, and I just forget, I should have done that for my wife just years ago. But I forget about it, and then they're going to show up tonight, and guess what they're going to find at the dining room table? They got to put the things back together before they sit down if they don't want to fall. Yeah, I had to die to that. We, we did. We had to die to that fact and just go, hey, you know what? We got a spot there on the carpet. They probably do too. You know what? We've got a chair that's broken. They probably don't, but they'll give us grace. It's my fault. I own it. It's my responsibility. But I'm sure they love us anyway, you know, because hospitality is about going, we're going to move this mess out of the side. You know what? Get in here. Family. If you're not exercising hospitality, with your brothers and sisters, boy, I'll tell you, you're missing out. Because it's there where relationships are built, where connections are formed, where life is done, where security is found, and where the Lord is pleased when He is the driving common denominator. So don't lose out on that blessing. Stand with us, if you will. Look, the bottom line, don't get wrapped up like Martha. Until you've spent time like Mary. Does that make sense? If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the invitation is this. He'll be received by faith in Him and Him alone. And you can't clean up enough to be received by Him, which is a good thing. Because He takes us just like we are. Every last one of us, that's how we'll come. By faith believing, as broken as we know we are, with the confident expectation of forgiveness, restoration, a new destiny for tomorrow and today as his child. So if you don't know Jesus, boy, you ain't got to leave here without him. Let's talk about it before you get gone. Let's come before the Lord and ask him. And if you've got a need, you want somebody to pray with you about John and Kathy are over here. They love to relate to whatever you're going through because chances are great they've been through it too. And they'd love to take the time just to call on the Lord on behalf of your need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your love. We thank you that in that home you did not love Mary any more than Martha. Mary was no more righteous than Martha. Mary just, she got it. She was making the right choice. 
We thank you for her. We thank you that she made that choice and that we get to see it. We, we kind of thank you that Martha made the wrong choice because we can relate. And we can see how we make those distracted decisions as well. So I pray that you will help us to hear your words to her as words into our ears and hearts and that, that we would respond accordingly. Seeking first you and then doing what you point us to for your glory. God, use us today. Let us be a blessing to those that we come into contact with. But may that blessing be based not on just personality, but because of who we are in Jesus. We look forward to his return. Help us to be faithful until that day. We love you and we trust you. First in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen.